Welcome to the Edgar Rice Burroughs mini podcast, episode number 13. These short podcasts are designed to supplement the full-length episodes hosted by myself, Jess Terrell, and Scott Stewart, in which we usually discuss one of Burroughs' novels in detail. Currently, the mini-podcasts consist of a chapter-by-chapter analysis of the 1912 novel Tarzan of the Apes. Now, my name is Tim DeForest. I'm the author of several books about what I call pre-digital pop culture, such as pulp magazines and old-time radio. Um, I also maintain a blog where I write about such things at comics, old-time radio, and other cool stuff. Now, today, we're talking about Chapter 5, titled White, The White Ape. Please be aware that I will be including spoilers about the novel and occasional later novels in the series. I would also recommend that you take a few minutes to reread the chapter before listening, as I work on the assumption that the listeners are familiar with the events of the chapter. Anyway, Tarzan is now officially named Tarzan, which means white skin in the language of the apes. In this chapter, Burroughs nicely weaves together an account of Tarzan's first decade among the apes with additional information that fleshes out the apes as a believable species. Kala's strong maternal instincts are emphasized as she cares for Tarzan even when he matures uh, so slowly compared to the, to the ape children. Taking another year before he can walk on his own and remaining unable to take care of himself even when apes his own age have reached maturity. In addition to Kershak and Kala, we now meet Kala's mate, Tublat, who dislikes the hairless little baby and would just as soon abandon him. By the end of the chapter, Tublat is clearly established as an enemy of the future Lord of the Jungle. As Tarzan matures, it is his human ability to reason that adds to his enmity against Tublat. Since Tublat doesn't like him, it's natural that Tarzan doesn't like Tublat, and his human reason allows him to devise ways to make Tublat's life absolutely miserable. In fact, the two major methods in which, Tarzan, in which Burroughs shows us Tarzan's intelligence include something that allows him to torment Tublat. To quote the, from the chapter, quote, Early in his boyhood, boyhood, he learned to form ropes by twisting and tying long grasses together. And with these, he was forever tripping Tublat or attempting to hang him from some overhanging branch. By constant playing and experimenting with these, he learned to tie rude knots and make sliding nooses. And with these, he and the younger apes amused themselves. What Tarzan did, they tried to do also, but he alone originated and became a proficient. One day, while playing thus, one day while playing thus, Tarzan had thrown his rope at one of his fleeing companions, retaining uh, the other end in his grasp. By accident, the noose fell squarely about the running ape's neck, bringing him to a sudden and surprising halt. Ah, here was a new game, a fine game, thought Tarzan, and immediately he attempted, attempted to repeat the trick. And thus, by painstaking and continuing practice, he learned the art of roping. Now, indeed, was the life of Tublat a living nightmare. In sleep, upon the march, night or day, he never knew what the quiet no- what, when the quiet noose would slip about his neck and nearly choke the life out of him. Kala punished. Tubat swore dire vengeance, and old Kershak took notice and warned and threatened, but all to no avail, unquote. The other example of Tarzan's intelligence comes when he has to throw himself into a pool of water to avoid a hungry lioness. Once in the water, he stumbles across the movements that allow him to dog paddle. Soon he's swimming on a regular basis. Both these incidences, the rope making and the swimming, show curiosity, problem-solving intelligence, and enormous patience. 
These are the traits that the apes simply do not have. If there's really no question about the young Lord Greystoke having a genius level IQ, and the traits he shows here are planting the seeds to allow us to, to accept that he will have the curiosity, intelligence, and patience to teach himself to read and write when he gains access to the cabin in the next chapter. I think we can see elements of Burroughs' sense of humor in this chapter as well, as the young Tarzan grows horrified at his hairless figure and tries to coating himself with mud to try and hide this feature. Burroughs was quite good at injecting humor into his story. The Chessmen of Mars and the Mastermind of Mars, both discussed in our full-length podcast series, contain prime examples of just how funny Burroughs could be. In Tarzan, his attempts at humor will fall flat in a later chapter, when he depends on a racial stereotype to generate laughs. But in this chapter, he's able to have some fun with how Tarzan sees himself. At the same time, though, to the, uh, he, this adds to the importance of him eventually figuring out that he's an M-A-N and not an A-P-E when looking through the books he finds in the cabin. Finally, we should mention Tarzan's own sense of humor. Throughout the first novel, his humor has a definite cruel streak to it, something we don't see in the more mature novel, uh, Tarzan, and future novels. Tarzan will always be most at home in the jungle, away from civilization. But it's clear that the influence of civilization does him some good, toning down his cruel humor and bringing him to the point where uh, he will only kill for food or self-defense. But early on here, we see what the lack of a responsible adult teaching him, giving him moral guidance, uh, uh, we see the effect that that has on or the lack of effect. And he has a little bit of cruelty um, in his humor. Also, we note that uh, Burroughs does ignore some strict realism here quite properly in order to move the story around. Um, I was talking with my wife, Angela, about this chapter, and we both agreed that if this were real life, there would be probably be nutritional problems with, the, with him uh, sharing the diet of the apes, and there might be physical developmental problems, uh, especially if he often tried to walk on all fours the way the apes did. Uh, but those are the sort of things, the sort of strict realism that Burroughs quite rightly ignores in order to make Tarzan the character he needs to be. Now that's it for now. Once again, my name is Tim DeForest, and you can visit my blog at Comics, Old Time Radio, and other cool stuff. You can find a link to my uh, Amazon.com um, author page there. And we will be back next week with a look at Chapter 6. Until then, thanks for listening. And remember, if you're enjoying these podcasts, please take time to leave a review on iTunes. Thank you very much.